All right, how are we doing? Man, it is good to be here. We got a packed house tonight. It's so awesome to see all that God is doing uh, in and through this ministry. And it's cool to see all the life change that is happening. And, and something that we have repeatedly say is that uh, just because of Jesus, uh, it's not because of uh, Sierra and I are residents, it's not because of Heather or Miles. It's because of Jesus that God is doing something in this room. And God can certainly use people, it's just not because of them. And so God is certainly up to something big within this ministry, whether you see it or not. Uh, but God is up to some revival up in this place. And it's so awesome to see the life transformation that is happening. And so uh, we're just so excited for tonight. Uh, excited to jump into a new series called Long Story Short. Now, this whole series is about taking more uh, uh, of an in-depth look at God's word. And so, you know, what this whole, I guess really the whole gist of this series is to take common Bible stories and take a more in-depth look at it. Uh, some of us have grown up in church, some of us haven't. And uh, for most of you, you may be like, dude, I don't really know much about the Bible. For some of you, you're like, man, I've heard that story before. And we're going to take some common Bible stories. And so this week, we're going to talk about Jonah and the fish or Jonah and the whales. You guys may have heard it growing up. How many of you guys have heard about the story of Jonah? Okay, it's like the fair, okay, we've got a good amount in this room. So... We've all heard about uh, the story of Jonah, uh, but, you know, we want to take a deeper look into God's word to develop a deeper love for it. And so, as you know, I'm in the residency program here at 12 Stone, and part of the, a little shout out, part of the being in the residency program here at 12 Stone is that you have to take a Bible test when you're in uh, the residency at the very beginning, and nothing humbled me more than taking a three hour long, 300 question Bible test. Just guess what I got. Just, I don't care, shout out an answer. What do you think I got? 47. <laughs> a two, oh my gosh. A 2%. <laughs> yeah, I just got the table of contents. <laughs> Genesis, Revelation, we're good. <laughs> I actually got a 55% on it. So if you want to know what it takes to get in the residency, just fail your Bible test. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Because God can turn your failure into favor. Can I get an amen? But let's be honest. I mean, how many of you know really the word of God? Like how many of you know actually, like, I mean, when you really dive into it and you really go through the Bible, how many of you know actually can, can really comprehend and even really, uh, you know, just reiterate what is in Scripture? I mean, I think that most of you probably be scared if you were to take the Bible test primarily because you don't, know what, you don't want to know what you would get, which I think is the reason why sometimes we actually hate defending our faith because we don't have a depth of God's word that allows us to do so. And so we actually get scared in conversation, not because God isn't powerful, not because God can't move, but because I don't really know how God can and how God is able to in my life. And so this whole series is just long story short. And we want, we want to open it up. We want to dive deep into the word of God. And so my goal is to not open the Bible to mark it with highlighters and cute pens. It's not to just post on my Insta story with my coffee the whole goal, some of you are like, yeah, I did that today. Uh. <laughs> Boulder Creek, oh, no, delete it, delete it, delete it. <laughs> some of us really don't know. We're actually really scared. So that's what this whole series is about. 
We want to just really go in depth because honestly, just because I marked in it doesn't mean that it marked me. Just because I just start underlining stuff and highlighting stuff and just because I start reading through it doesn't mean that I actually comprehend it. So part of the challenge of going deep into God's word is not just reading it devotionally, it's actually reading it a little bit more comprehensively. It's diving deeper than you anticipated. And so this whole series, that's what we're going to do. We're going to start out tonight going over the story of Jonah, how he fled, how he prayed, and then how it ended. So I'm going to go over those three things. I'm going to focus a little bit more of my, I guess, the end of my message on how Jonah ended in in Jonah chapter 4. And I'm going to kind of cruise through the first two. So we're going to jump in. If you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn to the book of Jonah. If you don't have one, if you don't have an app on your phone, we're certainly going to have the, the verse up on the screen behind us. Uh, But yeah, let's jump in. So uh, Jonah chapter one, verse one, it says this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of a name. I don't know how to say because I got a 55% of my Bible test. (laughs) Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw a cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Makes no sense. (laughs) There's a storm. I'm tired. But, but, Jonah, but Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? How much melatonin did you take? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and it fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all of this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? What people are you? Who are you? You freak of nature. You came on our boat. Now it's a mess. <laughs> I titled this message, Fleeing's Easy. Fleeing's Easy. Because fleeing is the natural default anytime you encounter God calling you to do so. And this is the tension that we live in. And this is the tension that Jonah lived in as well. Okay, Nineveh was a terrible city. Last week, I was studying a little bit more about just the city of Nineveh. And this is what it was. They were known to impale their enemies on stakes in front of their towns and hang their heads from trees in the king's gardens. They also tortured their captives, men woman or children by hacking off noses, ears, or fingers, gouging out their eyes, or tearing off, lips, tearing off their lips and hands. They reportedly covered the city wall with the skins of their victims, and rebellious subjects would be massacred by the hundreds, sometimes burned at the stake. Then their skulls would be placed into great piles by the roadside as a warning to others." Okay, Nineveh isn't just a small town that seems uninteresting. Nineveh literally is a terrible city. So you can understand why Jonah left. Have you ever read the Bible and you like, you read through it and you're kind of like, oh, dude, I would have gone, you know? Like if I was Jonah, like loser, like I would have gone. And sometimes we read the Bible that way and like we can't act like we would not have gone to Nineveh. Like that would not turn us off. 
Like, I'm okay with staying in Lawrenceville. I'm okay. That's a big bucket of note for me. I'm not going to Nineveh. <laughs> but Jonah was terrified of the calling because he didn't go where risk was involved. Sometimes you don't go because you see risk. And God is not a God of safety. God is a God of comfort. You can go to him for comfort, but sometimes you think that God calls you to safety. When in life did God ever call you to safety? Fleeing is easy. Running away is the easy part because if I can flee, then I don't have to step into the unknown of what God might be calling me to. So when it comes to fight or flight, I'm out. I bail. And uh, growing up, and I mean, really more in high school, I used to go ding-dong ditching all the time. How many people went ding-dong ditching in high school? I should see way more hands raised, like way more. You're not that holy, I promise you. <laughs> you weren't that, you know, we all had a rebellion. I was a good Christian boy and girl. We all probably did something during our time growing up. I for sure went ding-dong ditching. And what's the one thing you don't do when you ding-dong ditch? Stay, you don't stay. You don't stick around. <laughs> you ring that doorbell and you flee. You, I don't care if you have to sacrifice a Jonah. I don't care if you got to push somebody. You, it doesn't matter. This is not take one for the team. This is every man for himself. So when you ding dong ditch, you run, you flee, you bail. And I think that sometimes when it comes to God, you play ding dong ditch way too much because he's placed a calling on your life and you keep running. You keep running from him. And there's something that he's calling you to. He's calling you to switch majors. He's calling you to go into ministry. He's calling you to take that next step in faith. He's calling you into a place that is uncomfortable. And sometimes you don't because you'd rather be safe than step into the unknown. And I think that we don't want to take risks because we don't, know what, we don't want to know what's involved. Because where there is risk, there is the unknown. Where there, where there is the unknown, there is uncertainty. Where there is uncertainty, I can't control it. So if I can't control it, I'm not going. God ordained Jonah to go to Nineveh. So God saw it as a calling. Jonah saw it as a caution. You'll always view God's calling as caution, not because God is out of it, but because risk is involved in it. And where there is risk, you just don't know what's going to be at stake. So some of you in this room keep having conversations with people about, I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Maybe you don't know what you're supposed to do because you haven't stopped running. You haven't stopped fleeing from the Lord. Fleeing's easy because the journey of following Christ can be rather hard at times. And we as Christians focus more on what we lose rather than what we gain. If I'm just being honest... Sometimes we focus a little bit more on what we lose rather than what we gain. What do I gain if I have to leave home? What do I gain if I have to step into this? What do I gain if I have to take this next step in faith or go to this in my calling? What do I, what do I gain out of it? What's the benefit for me? And let's just be honest for a sec. Doesn't following Christ, isn't that just hard sometimes? Really, I mean, is it, isn't it hard? To, am I the only one? <laughs> isn't it just hard sometimes? Isn't following Jesus just really hard sometimes? And a line that comes from Levi Lusco, he's a pastor out at Fresh Life Church in Montana, he says this, God will use you more than you think he can, but it'll hurt more than you think it will. Gosh, that's a good thought. God will use you more than you think he can, but it'll hurt more than you think it will. It's gonna have to cost you something. You're gonna have to step into the unknown because God will do more than you think he can. It's just not the way that you expected it. 
And God will oftentimes have to to draw you into a moment where you're just literally on your knees praying or you're literally in a spot where you never thought you would be. Jonah never expected that he'd be in the belly of a fish, the belly of what many would call a whale. A lot of people don't expect that they'd be at the certain situation that they're at in life. Jonah never expected it. Let's continue on. It's in chapter 2. This is after they, they tossed him into the sea. This is after, you know, he was in this big fish for three days and three nights. He then prays this prayer. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, basically saying, when I wasn't comfortable, when I stopped fleeing, when I stopped running, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. The roots of the mountains I sank down to the earth beneath, sorry, the earth beneath bared me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to your holy, my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love to them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Doesn't God often draw you to prayer to destroy your pride? Doesn't God often just bring you back to a place that you never expected? That God often brings you back to himself over and over and over again. And this is not the journey that Jonah had in mind. He didn't expect to get swallowed by a fish. He didn't expect to be in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Listen, I didn't expect that I'd end up in the residency program. I didn't expect that I'd go to a school 30 hours from home. I didn't expect that that, you know, throughout high school, I would have to face addictions. I'd have to face depression. I didn't expect that later on in life, I'd have to deal with anger and anxiety. Maybe you didn't expect that you'd be at the spot you are right now in life. You didn't expect that you'd be addicted to pornography. You didn't expect that somebody you love would get cancer. You didn't expect that you'd be your own worst critic. You didn't expect that you would be in a quarter-life crisis. You didn't expect that you'd be in a season right now where life is hard. You didn't expect your life circumstances. And can we all agree that life just happens? <laughs> Come on, talk to me. Can we all just agree that life happens? Whether you, whether you agree or not, God is just bigger than you thought. And that's something, that's just a hard pill to swallow. And you see, most stories seem to end with, with Jonah going to Nineveh. And the whole city turns back to God and everything just fades out from there. And every time I've heard the story of Jonah, I always just hear it as, you know, oh, Jonah's, Jonah disobeys, Jonah repents, Jonah obeys. Jonah's good, Jonah cries, you know, or Jonah's bad, Jonah cries, Jonah's good. And you just see how Jonah and a lot of stories that you've heard always end with him just being swallowed by a fish. And then you're like, oh, so then what, what, what's after that? You know, what, what happens to Jonah? What happens to Nineveh? What happens at the end? And this is where I'm going to focus a lot more of my time uh, in, in this evening. We're going to jump into chapter 4. This is something that, and I think there's a lot of truth in this. 
The story doesn't end here. Jonah's story doesn't end here, neither does yours. And sometimes I think in life, when we've, we've heard this story every single time, you hear the cutoff. Oh, he got swallowed by a big fish. Okay, then, then he left. What happened after that? And to not talk about the end, I think, is the miss on the biggest part of the story. So chapter 4, it goes into this. But Jonah, but to Jonah, so this is after Nineveh had repented. This is after Jonah finally obeyed God. He went to the city and he delivered the message that God had put on his heart. And he says, but, and, and they end up coming back to him. But it says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Oh, God, I knew you were gracious. Oh, you suck. <laughs> you save people. What a loser. <laughs> it's as if we did like a salvation call and I was in the back like. <laughs> this is what Jonah was like. He said, I knew that you were a gracious God, but it goes on verse three. Now, Lord, take away my life for it is better for me to die than to live. A little emotional. But, to the Lord, but the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down in a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his, for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Thank you. <laughs> but at dawn the next day, God provided a worm. Notice how God provided it. God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be, it would be better for me to die than to live. Relax, Jonah. <laughs> God used one of the biggest creatures on earth to destroy Jonah's pride, yet he used one of the smallest creatures on earth to destroy his pettiness. Isn't pride often found in the, big, in the really big things? It's a big sin in your life, and pettiness is often found in the smallest of things. Point being, God will do whatever it takes, whether big or small, to draw you back to himself, to see a bigger perspective, to see a better perspective. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. <laughs> but the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should not I have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left hand, and also many animals. This is literally how the book of Jonah ends. It ends on a question. Not, oh, Jonah succeeded, and now he lived a holy, happy life. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Veggie Tales. <laughs> Where God can use fresh fish and mixed vegetables. Come back next week. <laughs> That's not how this ends. It literally ends on a question. Yet sometimes when God asks you questions, it allows you to change your perspective. Okay, for example, when I was in South Dakota, before coming out down to Georgia uh, to do the residency in the program that I'm in now, I was actually serving in the youth ministry at the church there. And uh, during my time, uh, as my time ended up, I started having conversations with people about oh, the struggles that I faced and the difficulties, difficulties that I had to overcome. And uh, throughout all that, 
uh, it was really, really freeing. It was really good to say bye to people. And as I'm talking with some people, this is one of the last like, meals that I had with my mentor and a bunch of friends. And I'm just kind of debriefing. I'm just saying, hey, these are things that I went through. These are things that I struggled with. And I just told them, I said, hey, you know, I didn't really invest in the middle schooler's life because, you know, I didn't think that it would matter to him because, like, I'm not going to stay around super long. So because I'm only here for a year, I thought it would be better if somebody else did. And I, I start to continue to talk. And then my mentor cut me off. And he said, oh, so it's more about you than it was about God. And I knew what he meant because he was my mentor. There were other people that were around the table. This is not a one-on-one conversation. Like other people were there to witness it. And the people that didn't know him super well were sitting there like, oh, he said you suck. (laughs) They literally were like, oh my gosh, you just said that. And there was an awkward pause and he said it again. He said it was more about you than it was about God. He said, it was more about you than it was about God because you didn't allow God to use you to plant seeds into their life, which means that you never allowed God to use you the way he wanted to for the youth ministry, which means you didn't give me your very best. And then he went, as if it wasn't already uncomfortable, he said, he tagged on. He said, what are you going to do when you go to 12 Stone? You're in the residency for two years. Just because you're there for two years, you're not going to give your very best. Uh, Sir, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. We don't talk about pain. (laughs) Run. (laughs) Flee. (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) So uncomfortable, yet so freeing at the same time because doesn't hard questions often take you deeper? Don't hard questions often take you deeper? Jesus did this (laughs) in Mark 4.34. It says that he explained everything to them fully. And it was after the disciples sat around with Jesus to ask questions, to continuously ask him questions. And sometimes when you just keep asking questions, it allows to take you deeper. And God does the same. He just keeps asking questions to Jonah because he's trying to change his perspective. And if God can't change your perspective, then he can't change your life. If you can't allow God to transform, to, to, to renew your mind, then God can't transform your life. That's what it says in Romans. Transform me by the renewing of my mind. If, if, God, if you can't renew your mind, how can God transform your life? God has to change the way you think. He has to change your perspective. I mean, look at verse two, chapter four. This is Jonah saying, he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? Jonah didn't succeed if he failed to leave home in his thinking. The whole book, he's carrying a bad perspective. And that was the thing that God was trying to get at the most. Long story short, the tragedy of Jonah is that although he stopped running physically, he didn't stop running spiritually. Jonah never succeeded by just going back to Nineveh if he failed to leave home in his thinking in the first place. God taught him the lesson over and over again. Same, lef- same lesson, different day. And is the same not true of us? We're physically here at church, but we're spiritually lost from him. I said yes to Jesus on Sunday, but I'll say no to him on Monday. Don't we pray a prayer and then run away from our own prayer requests? God, do more revival in my life, yet when it actually happens, it just sounds greater in concept than it does in reality. I can be in one place my entire life, yet I run from him the whole time. 
Here's the truth. You'll always carry what you run from. You'll always carry what you run from. You started praying for God to free you of the addiction because you haven't seen it yet. Well, because I'm not gonna go to you in prayer. I'm just gonna flee from you because honestly, it's kind of easier to be flee. Or it's easier to flee than it is to be set free. It's easier to run away from you than to figure out how God could do something in my life. Hasn't God placed a calling on your life? <laughs> Which is honestly sometimes why we have so many coffee conversations about how God could do more. We go with our friends to coffee shops, we meet with them one-on-one -on -one, and we're actually kind of sad because we know that inside God could do more, I'm just saying no. And the crazy thing is that the whole time you keep praying prayers and you think that you're following Jesus when in fact you're just hiding from him the whole time. It's so true. And the reason why I love Jonah is because it shows the repetitiveness of God's grace for him. Jonah kept coming back to God, and a lot of life's struggles are not one and done. A lot of life's struggles are not one and done. And this is the thing that I sat in the most over the past, honestly, couple days. And, uh, you know, I've just been struggling with the fact that, you know, there's some things in my life that I just keep having to cast. This is a lot heavier than I thought. I want to be honest with you with that. CrossFit hasn't paid off yet. <laughs> And sometimes when it comes to life, you think that, you know, just because I was sincere about casting my struggle, just because I was sincere about running away from the addiction in my life, just because I was sincere about, you know, there was a calling on my life, but I just keep running. But you know what? God's going to teach me the same lesson over and over and over again. And over time, it's just going to be you. Keep casting. Just keep going. Just keep casting your anxiety. Keep casting all your cares. Keep casting all your depression. Keep casting everything that you're addicted with. You just keep going and you just keep casting. And over time, you're going to start to notice that this bin isn't as loaded as you think it once was, that you just keep going. Going, and you just take this and you just keep casting. But doesn't the devil love to question yesterday's sincerity? Because you keep casting and so you said yes to Jesus and because you gave your life to him, yet tomorrow you mess up and then, and then Satan loves to intervene and say, well, you didn't really mean it. You didn't, say yes to, you didn't say yes to Jesus, you're just emotional. You didn't really give that addiction over, you're just emotional. And earlier this past week, I was just wrestling with it. Like sometimes the sin that you're stuck in, whether it's just fleeing from God or it's, it's the addiction in your life or it's the disobedience that you have, something in your life, there is something that you just keep running from. There's something that you're tied down to. And sometimes you get so frustrated that you're tied down in it that it makes you more frustrated. I guess I'm the only one. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes when, when, when I'm insecure, I get more insecure over the fact that I'm insecure. When you're addicted to, to, to pornography, you get more mad that you're addicted, so you turn to it out of comfort. So you just feel like you sit in this cycle over and over and over again. You're like, how the heck can I get out of it? How do I stop running from the Lord? How do I just get rid of the thing that's in my life if I just get more frustrated and tied down into it? How do I run away from it? And I remember talking with one of my mentors this past week much older than I. And I like at this point, I was like, man, I just struggle with this. I, don't, I literally don't know how to get out of the cycle because I feel like the more I'm in the cycle, the more I'm in the cycle, <laughs> the more I'm just in it and the more I just keep going. And he said, Alex, don't question yesterday's sincerity just because you keep casting, just because you keep giving it over to him. I said, gosh, isn't that so true? 
And then I turned to him and I said, you know what, that is so true. I often doubt yesterday's sincerity because of today's insecurity. I often doubt yesterday's sincerity because of today's insecurity. Oh, I thought I gave it to you. I thought I stopped running. I thought I stopped sinning. I thought, I, I, I thought, I thought, I thought. And you just keep casting. You just keep going. You just keep doing it over and over again. I'm gonna have the band come on up. And listen, I don't know where you're at today, but you might be, you might just feel sick and tired of the fact that you just keep casting the same thing. You thought that you had the prayer in the belly of the fish moment and you thought it was one and done. Jonah doesn't end one and done. Jonah literally ends on a question of God changing your perspective over and over and over again. And you just keep, you just keep casting, you just keep going. You just keep bringing it up to God. And that's the thing, sometimes I can keep you in the cycle, but you just keep going anyways, whether you're in a hard season or not, whether you're addicted or not, whether, whether the, whatever struggle it is that you face, you just keep going, you just keep casting it onto him. Fleeing's easy, is it not? Fleeing is always the easy answer. It's always the escape route. I don't wanna have to deal with conflict. I don't wanna have to deal with this. So I'd rather run away. But I know that there are people in this room that you have way too many internal, internal Ninevehs in your life. Your whole life you keep viewing God's calling as caution because there's risk involved and it has allowed you to stay in fear. Oh, I know I really should do blank. I know God is calling me to blank. I know the next thing I should do is blank. And you know, <laughs> trust me, I'm the same age as you, I'm 24. I'm not preaching, I'm just talking. <laughs> I'm in the same boat, same struggle. Doesn't everybody have their own thing? Everybody's got their own thing. Am I, am I wrong with that? Everybody has their own thing. And I think that there's too many people in this room that God's placed a call on your life and you just keep saying no because you'd rather be comfortable than step out in faith. God keeps calling you to something. Maybe years ago, God had a calling on your life for ministry and you never, and you never did anything with it because you were hurt by somebody in the church, so I'd rather run. Maybe God had something called on your life <laughs> to be somewhere out being a nurse, being out in, in the marketplace, being out in, in the workforce. God called you to do something and you never step into it because it's always easy to flee. And then you wish you had somebody else's life because they stepped into their calling and you didn't. They said yes to Jesus, they followed him no matter what and you didn't. So I think that sometimes we pick careers <laughs> because it's more about what we get paid for, but I think you should choose the calling because that's what you're made for. Far different story. You can make a lot of money. External success and internal emptiness is the same road, I promise you. I just wanna pray over you tonight. I wanna pray uh, for some of you. I know there's some of you in this room that God has been doing something in you 
God has called you to something and you went to a school that's more comfortable. You picked a major that was more comfortable. You're in a career that's more comfortable. You're in a spot in life that is more comfortable. <laughs> Nineveh on the outside seemed like bad news because they literally put their skin on the wall. <laughs> and sometimes I view my calling the same way. I view it as Nineveh, bad news, not going. And I wanna pray over, because I know there's a lot of you in this room that God has placed a unique, specific anointing, a unique, specific calling on your life, whether you know it or not. God has way bigger plans than maybe even the ones that you're living in right now. So I wanna pray, why don't we bow our heads? God, I just thank you for tonight. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this ministry. God, I know that there's people in this room, Father, that you have appointed, you have laid specific, a, a specific calling on their life. And God, there are people in this room, God, who I know that you have specific, specifically chosen, God, to, to be here in Gwinnett County, to, to make a difference where they're at, to step into the calling that you have placed on their life. Yet somewhere internally, we wrestle with the Nineveh. It's always easy to flee. It's always easy to run to comfort. It's always easy to flee to our own Tarshish. But God, I pray that you would just stir something right now within people. For those in this room that have said no to Jesus their whole entire life. And they may in this room right now, God, just feel regret. Man, I wish I would have done this in high school. Man, God stirred something in my heart at this point in time. God, I just pray for those, Father, that are wrestling with calling. They're wrestling, is, wrestling with whatever it is you put on their life. So God, I pray that throughout this night, God, would you confirm it? God, would you confirm in people what it is that you want them to do? The next step that they're supposed to take, the very thing that you have called them to do because there are far bigger plans than we could ever anticipate. The plans that I have are always easy and the plans that you have always seem hard but the plans that you have bring about a greater blessing and I don't wanna miss out on that. I don't wanna miss out on what I could have done or what I should have done. I don't wanna be in a quarter life crisis anymore because I'm missing out and there's somebody younger than me that's farther along, not because they're older, but because they're spiritually more mature because they've said yes, they've stepped in, they've leaned in. So God, I just pray for those. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand? If, there, if there's some of you in this room that you're missing out on, on something, I, I see you guys' hands. You're missing out and you feel like God is calling you to something and you just keep saying no. You just keep running. You just keep fleeing. So God, I just pray that you would confirm calling. God, for those that rose their hands, God, would you confirm something in them? The thing that they've been running from, the thing that they've been struggling with, the thing that they keep battling with, God, would you confirm in them exactly what you spoke, maybe even weeks ago, months ago, years ago. Because you're a God of second chances. You're a God of grace. You're a God of mercy. And so, Father, we just pray all of these things, God, knowing that you're able and that you're capable. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.